0: lesson I think in general like one thing I always tell people who are starting their own companies is just be frugal in the beginning like you know if you're doing a photo shoot like maybe see if you can do trade with with like the model or photographer see if you can find a friend to help style it or you style it yourself like um, instead of buying custom packaging that has super high minimums maybe buy some like jewelry boxes on Uline, make a stamp and just stamp them yourself. Like there's, there's just little ways that you can try to save, save money in the beginning. Like, I just think people just get too excited yep. and they like want too much stuff. Yeah. Like, make sure your product's good. Make sure it ships to people in a, you know, pretty way like you don't need a big office like if you can try not to have an office try not to have one if you don't need an employee don't get an employee maybe just get 1099 independent contractors to help you out with stuff i don't know i just think it's important to like save your save your money for a rainy day
1: got Amanda from Love AJ the founder of Love AJ here with us <laughs> today to talk about some awesome stuff. So, hello Amanda.
0: Hi guys, thank you Hi. for having me.
1: Of course. So, we've got some fun questions, fun things to dig into. But first, typically with our podcast, we like to review the product. So, Nicole, bought some of aj and i was like yeah, I,
0: I think i i was like i think i noticed that necklace yeah. well i was like, Zach's like <laughs> oh she'll notice i'm like she's not gonna
2: notice
0: i i honestly did but i was like mate i'm like i'm sure you did it to be supportive slash probably to see what my shipping was like and my customers yeah. <laughs> was like
2: we're creepers.
1: Yeah. We're digging in.
0: I know. I love that's that. Awesome.
2: I normally don't wear like a lot of jewelry, but I love yellow gold. So I was like pumped that I got some like key pieces. I was excited. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, Thank no. you.
0: I'm, I'm like, I should have given you a discount code. Oh, it's okay.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I don't like discount codes. I actually, I love this ring. Yeah, that was
0: the pave signet ring.
2: Yes.
1: Pave signet ring.
0: I yes. That. that one's oh, usually always sold out too. So I'm surprised. Oh, got we
1: yeah. So tell us a little bit about like what got you started. Like why when was that moment where you were like, I'm gonna start a jewelry
0: business? So my my I, I never had necessarily that moment. It all just kind of spiraled from a hobby. Um when I was a sophomore in high school, my mom was like, You should probably get like an after-school job or an internship. And I was like, internship sounds more fun. So I'll do that. (laughs) So um, I got an internship with a clothing and jewelry designer. Her name's Corey Madley. And she had this really cool store and studio on Abbott Kinney in Venice. This was like back in the day before Abbott Kinney was like what it is now. Um, So my dad would drop me off at her house after school and I would just help her out with whatever she needed help with. And she actually taught me how to sew and she taught me how to make jewelry. So, yeah, so she she just taught me a really basic skill called wire wrapping. And what she would do is she would go to flea markets and she'd buy old necklaces, old belts, brooches, cut them all apart, and then reappropriate them. So so she'd get like a vintage chain and then put like three brooches on it as charms hanging off. Wow. And I was like, wow, that's so cool. Like, I didn't even know you could do that. It was just like a different kind of level of joy I'd never seen before so I kind of started just experimenting with designs for fun Her aesthetic was a lot more kind of like boho vintage crazy um, so I my, mine was like a little more kind of like streamlined and trendy so I just started making stuff for fun and then girls in my at school started asking me to make them pieces. And then prom came around, and I made all of my friends' jewelry that matched their dresses. Aww. And then um, holiday came around, and I got invited to be a part of one of the other rival high school's holiday boutiques. And I'll never forget, I made a ton of stuff, and I went and I made like $3,000 in one day. Which at 14 years old, that was like crazy. So then I was like, that's fun. Like, I, I was yeah. I really, like, that is, that's cool. Like, so then I was like, all right, I'm just going to keep making stuff. And then my, my kind of big chance encounter was I was shopping in this store called Fred Siegel, which at the time was like a huge, huge boutique in LA. Like, every celeb shop there was the spot. This woman stopped me and was like, I'm obsessed with your necklace. Where did you get it? I was like, oh, I made it. She's like, I'm the buyer here. Um, would you want to come back for a meeting? And I just was like, sure. So I came home and I was like, oh my God, I have a buyer's meeting. Like, I don't even know what that means. So I made a bunch of stuff. I made as much stuff as I could, went back. They took everything on consignment. And then that was officially my first store. And that's when I had, they're like, what's the name of your line? I was like, I don't know. So I used to sign everything, love AJ, L-U-V-A-J, because my name's Amanda Jane. So that's kind of where the brand started. And then from there, I just kept like, going to different stores and now I was like hey I'm in Fred Siegel do you want to carry me and everyone was like yes so just from that one store I was able to get into I think like 12 stores by my senior year and
1: what by your senior year
0: yeah I was in like I was in Kitson which used to be huge Um, Lisa Klein, Ron Herman, Madison, Planet Blue like a bunch of different stores
1: wow dang
0: that's a cool story.
1: I love that. That's like
2: kind of a movie. It is. Yeah.
1: I'm sitting here like, man, I wish I was like it's in so high school and got like recognized and yeah. noticed for something that makes cool. my
0: paper route sound <laughs> really lame. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And um, in high school, I got a write-up in Elle magazine, which was insane. I still have a copy of it. I it would. did like a whole feature on me. And then um, I got like a pair of earrings on Jennifer Aniston. I got a necklace on Lindsay Lohan. Like,
1: How the heck did you do that? Did they just find it? and
0: Just, just from being in all those stores. Wow. Because they, wow. they'd either go in and shop or their stylist would pull from the stores. So oh, then I okay. started just organically getting celebrity press.
1: Wow. That's awesome. So it,
0: all, it all happened organically, but then I just, you know, tried to make sure I was, you know, moving with the momentum. Like I was like, all right, I got one. So I'm going to go try to get three more from there. You know, I got one celeb. I'm going to try to get a bunch of other ones, which was hard. There was no social media, so yeah, it was, it was it was weird. I used to guess people's emails. That was a big thing. I would guess a stylist's email.
1: That's genius. <laughs>
0: and, like, sometimes it would work and they'd reply. <laughs> so, You're I don't know. you got to get, like, yeah. I, it was just, like, fun. There was no pressure, you know. It wasn't – they didn't have to pay bills. It was just – it yeah. was, like – you know, but then it was more than a hobby. So yeah, I, I'm glad. I, I feel blessed that I got to start my career without that pressure. Yeah. Cause then by the time it became, oh shit, I have to pay my bills. And then I had a lot of stuff figured out already. So that yeah. was nice.
1: That's cool. So, um, how long were you in stores before you started to realize, okay, cool, I'm going to have an online store and start selling this through my own, like through my own online store?
0: Um, I started my e-com store in 2004. Okay. So I think my junior year of high school, I had my friend oh, Brad.
1: we were like right from the get-go, okay, I'm getting my own online store and crushing it. Oh, right.
0: yeah. And I had a PayPal cart that was like the only checkout that you could build. So I had my friend from middle school who was really tech savvy. His name is Brad. I mean, Brad <laughs> built me. <laughs> website i honestly wish i had screenshots of it it was the clunkiest craziest looking site i can't even imagine in 2004 and then my dad um so my dad's a director so he he, he's like naturally good at photography so he had all this crazy camera equipment so he he taught me how to shoot um product shots nice so my dad like taught me how to shoot flat lays and product shots so we'd shoot them in the kitchen and then like put and i have like brad put them up (laughs) That's That's awesome. crazy, But yeah, like I had, I had a full e-com store in I mean, 2004. A pioneer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I did not know you, that you were literally a pioneer of e-commerce. This is blowing my mind right now.
0: It's crazy. So now in 2020, I've had Shopify for so long that my theme is like totally custom. It's like a full nightmare because uh-huh. I did it so long ago. Oh so I, I like at some point I'm going to have to switch over, but yeah, I've, I've just had my website for so freaking long. It's crazy.
1: That's awesome.
0: See, so you no know excuses now that it's so easy. No, <laughs> I know. Whenever people are like, I don't know how to start a site. I'm like, you I'm like, it's so easy. You can pick <laughs> yeah. a template and f- throw everything in. Yeah. I, so. I,
1: I admire, I find that very admire. Like I admire that because from a young age, you had this entrepreneurial spirit. Maybe you didn't realize it, but like it was there and manifested itself in something fun that you enjoyed, which is cool.
0: Yeah. I, I also feel like my parents were super influential. So both my parents are entrepreneurs, which helps, you know? So when I sparked this curiosity, they very much um supported me and, and helped me out with whatever I needed you know if I was like can you take me to the bead store they'd take me to the bead store yeah. I'm like I want to go to a flea market to get vintage chain like they would drive me and take me and do stuff like that or like you know once things started to get bigger I was like I need to learn how to use QuickBooks like I don't know what invoices and purchase orders are so my mom set me up with her accountant at her company and she just came over for the weekend and like taught me how to use QuickBooks and stuff. So it was nice that they kind of already had a sense of how to start your own business. Like, I don't know what I would have done without them. Like I pro- I wouldn't have figured it out.
2: Yeah. So just
0: really- you know, like, you always have to figure it out. Like people have to help you for sure. Yeah. You're not yeah gonna, and- like know how to do everything just on your own. So I think asking for help is really important when you're starting your company, especially asking people that know what they're doing for help. Yeah. Yeah. That's
2: a good reminder. Is. I'm terrible for that. You I always are. try to do everything on my own. And it's like a pride thing. And I think a yeah. lot of people like that. So. They
1: are. And I think it's it's something that, you know, I think we've noticed as a trend with a lot of the businesses that are doing really well and have gained a lot of momentum versus the ones that haven't is the business owners of those, of those companies and brands that have grown and continue to grow, they're not afraid to learn. And they're not afraid to, like, yeah. be in the trenches and do things and understand because, Like you have to, if you want to lead a team, you've got to be able to do the stuff.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think it's important as like a team leader to understand what everyone's doing on some level. Um, but if I'm not the expert in something, I'm hiring someone to do it for me. For sure. Like I don't like as a business owner, you don't need to be the greatest designer, the greatest, um, accountant, you know, the greatest accounts receivable, accounts payable person, like, you know, figure out what your strengths are, Mm -hmm. have those be the areas that you work on and then hire people that know what they're doing to do the other stuff.
1: Yeah. Great reminder. Yeah. (laughs) So as you've grown, you've obviously probably run into some challenges. What are some challenges you faced that you weren't expecting?
0: I think one of my kind of biggest hurdles, so, um, just to kind of continue my story. After college, um, I started working at whowhatwhere.com, which is like an online magazine. I was working in their graphic design department and they offered me a position, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to try to pursue Love AJ full-time. It was my first time doing it as my career, you know, not just as like a hobby while I was in school. Um, So they were like, when you get your first collection done, let us know. And, you know, maybe we'll feature it in a story. And at that point they had like probably a couple million subscribers on their email alone. And they did singular email blasts a day. So they surprised me and they ran an entire story called line. We love love AJ and did like, did a whole feature on me, which was crazy. I mean, it was crazy. Like they had sponsors paying them for stories and they did that. And that was the kind of morning that like, catapulted my business from like hobby side hustle part-time to like, oh, this is real deal. So from that story, I got into Nordstrom, I got into Shopbop, and I got into Urban Outfitters. And then Urban also offered me an exclusive deal to design a capsule collection to be sold in every single store in America. Dang. And at this point I was hand making every piece. I was going to say,
1: <laughs> what does that
0: look like? Because be no. like, yeah, I was hand, uh, So I was like, I need a fact, like I need to get a factory. Like I need to figure out how to like properly be invoicing these people. Like I needed, I was like, I'm not an LLC yet. Like, I, you know, like I just was working on my personal bank account. I didn't have an. I didn't have a trademark. I didn't have any th- this stuff done. So I really had to like hit the ground running very hard and learn a lot of stuff really quick. But I think one of my biggest hurdles at this point was cash flow. Mm -hmm. So, what happened is my business jumped really high where, you know, I was selling, you know, maybe like $5,000 worth of jewelry a month to now, you know, with those purchase orders, much more than that. And I didn't have the money to pay for my production to ship. Mm -hmm those orders. So it just it started yeah like the, it just started to get like tricky like you know like having to balance cash flow making sure I had money coming in to pay for production for the orders going out. Um, so that that was kind of hard but you know you can get bank loans, borrow money from people but I I don't know. I just felt like Like, I felt weird about it. I was like, I felt like a failure. I was like, why can't I pay for these? But I'm like, no, no, no. Like, this is how business works. Like, sometimes you can't afford at the time to pay for something, but you will later. Yeah. So that was interesting. And then also, like, inventory management, I think, was really hard. I got overly excited and just thought, oh, you know, I'm going to be getting these kinds of orders all the time. So I bought all this inventory. And it took me like two years to sell it. Oh, It was bad. I bought way too much stuff. It was, I, I can't believe I did that. Yeah. It was and so stupid. Yeah. It but was bad. From it. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> oh my God. I was like, I'll never do that again. So that, that was a really big, really big lesson. I think in general, like one thing I always tell people who are starting their own companies is just be frugal in the beginning. Like, mm. you know, if you're doing a photo shoot, like maybe see if you can do trade with with like the model or photographer. See if you can find a friend to help style it or you style it yourself. Like um, instead of buying custom packaging that has super high minimums, maybe buy some like jewelry boxes on Uline, make a stamp and just stamp them yourself. Like there's there's just little ways that you can try to save save money in the beginning. Like I just think people will just get, Too excited, yeah. Like, want too much stuff, yeah. Make sure your product's good, make sure it ships to people in a you know pretty way. But, like, you don't need a big office. Like, if you can try not to have an office, try not to have one. If you don't need an employee, don't get an employee. Maybe just get 1099 independent contractors to help you out with stuff. I don't know. I just think it's important to like save your, save your money for a rainy day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the moments you really need it.
1: For sure. Yeah. And especially, I mean, that's so true. Like for early, especially early stage businesses, it's like, it's so easy to get caught up in having a really cool website and having like, um, like amazing branding and all this stuff. And those things are important to have, but there are ways to kind of like what you did. Like you can In the early stages, have friends and family help out with things or um, do things so that you can prove the model first, start to get some cash flow, start to prove the concept that you can grow this business, and then you start investing in other things.
0: And the most important place to put your money is product development. Yeah. Like, it needs to be the best product in its category. Like, why why else are you... You know, starting this company, or why else are you selling this product? Like, it has to stand out. There yeah. has to be something special about it. So, like, just make sure that's that's the issue. You that. know, like, 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 make sure you're you're focusing on that first and foremost. Yeah, I think that can get lost
2: in the mix too, when people get really caught up in everything else, and then they kind of forget about their core product yeah. and what they're doing, the yeah. quality. it's like that's where it all stems from
0: yeah like one of one of my favorite brands is this um, handbag line called Monsieur Gavriel and I mean they've grown into they're a full they're a full blown line now with bags shoes clothes accessories but they started out with one skew literally one skew one bag and one color It was this like black bucket bag and the whole interior was painted red. That's it. And they came out with that product and it was like one of the first brands I saw do that. And I was like, wow, that's so bold to be like, this is such a good product. It's the only thing we sell. (laughs) Yeah, it's the only thing we sell. And I was like, that's so genius. Like that, that in itself is like, um, just its own marketing, like that concept and you know, lo and behold, they kept selling that bag. Then they they started doing two or three colorways. Then they did a mini version and a big version. And then now they have a full line. So I just think that's so smart. Like um, I, I mean, I have a problem with editing. Like my sometimes my collections are huge. I'm like, why did I do that? So I always admire people that can edit and just keep it to like the good stuff. That's
1: yeah. more rare. That's way more, it's,
0: <laughs>
2: <coughs> it's more common
0: to people go really wide. Yeah. Do you, um, do, do you know what's a brand that's really interesting? I was just looking at yesterday um, that sunscreen brand called Supergoop. Mm. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're it's clean sunscreen. Their marketing is amazing. You go on their site. There's like 700 different versions of the same thing where I'm like, I don't know what to buy. Like there's, yeah. there's too many there's too many options and they all kind of do the same thing it's very confusing yeah where i'm like they like they could use an edit and i think <laughs> it might like i think it would m- maybe benefit them because they'd probably they might i mean they probably sell a shitload of product I was like who am i to be talking about this but i i just felt like as a consumer like maybe it's, it's like shave off 30 percent of what they have i get overwhelmed if yeah. i get overwhelmed i'm out of there
2: yeah. Like I can't stick around and try to figure it out. It's like, yeah. I, so they yeah. could be losing out even if they're doing great, they could be doing better. It's true. <laughs> More yeah. Profitable.
1: yeah. I love that you're saying this right now. Cause it reminds me of two things. One focus is key for yeah. everything for growth, but two, it kind of plays into what you were saying earlier, how you built momentum with like organic side of things. And then you, you know, you do marketing, obviously that runs alongside that, but it's important to have both. Yeah. Like in today's day and age, how do you still like harness the power of organic?
0: I think that at least for me, I'm I'm, I'm more so like just talking about love aging in particular, like the, the way that I stay organic, like this is my number one rule is like, would I wear this? You know, like, is am I okay? I'm making this necklace. Like, would I wear this? Because sometimes I get a little bit um, distracted by our analytics and reports and seeing what certain things are doing well. Also, looking at trends and sometimes all design stuff. Because I'll be like, all right, you know, like this type of product has been selling well for us, but I've been seeing you know this style trending on Instagram. So I'm like like I'm going to try this new piece. But if I would, if it's like something I wouldn't wear, like it usually doesn't sell. So I I think just like reminding myself, like as a designer, like don't like, don't make stuff because you think someone's going to buy it, make something because you truly love it and you would wear it and you feel like it's missing in the marketplace for whatever reason. So I think as a designer, that's really important.
1: So when you're thinking about your business, thinking about growth, what are two levers in your business that when pulled almost always lead to growth for you?
0: Um, I mean, obviously like, like marketing's like a huge, a huge beast, but I've just been noticing lately that a lot of our more organic looking marketing, meaning not, super high-end expensive studio photo shoots, like just sending cool girls product and having them shoot it at home or shoot it on their iPhone, however, like that stuff people are really responding more towards because it seems it's more real and it's more like wearable, you know? Like you put on earrings and take a selfie in the mirror. If you see a picture like that, that's going to make more sense to you than some like highly dolled up model in a studio with perfect lighting, so I think um, you know that's an area that I've definitely been trying to focus on is figuring out you know what influencers or just customers that are good to work with that shoot beautiful content for us. It also doesn't even matter how many followers you have. Some sometimes these girls will have ten thousand followers, but they'll sell more product than a girl with a million followers. Yeah. So I think that's like one area, like when I when I really do put time and energy into finding good people to organically work with that always pays off. And then another area is customer service. Like that's something we did recently with you guys. Um, But just making sure that we're spending that like extra time with every single ticket that comes in, checking up on people, making sure they got their order, making sure they love it. Um, That just sets us so far apart. And it just, oh, I can see repeat business coming through. I can see people r- recommending us to their friends. And that's so important, that long lasting business.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> I'm like, I'm obsessed with organic things right now, because I still think there's an area for it. Like there, cause everybody is thinking like, oh, let's, let's crack the code with ads or crack the code here, wherever. But do you, do you think there's, like, if someone's just getting started, they don't have the budget to, to spend money on ads, they're okay with slower growth. Is there a way for them to start to build momentum without having to spend money on marketing? Yeah.
0: I mean, this technically costs money because you have to give away product, but just gifting. Mm. Like, gifting is so huge. It, it, it's like, it's like changed my business just yeah. like gifting people stuff. And like I was saying, like, you know, you don't have to be gifting like Bella Hadid, even though that's great, but y- like you can gift micro influencers and gift people with small followings who will take your product, shoot it for free, not only post the content that drives their followers to you, but then gives you content. To post. Yes. So it's like a double whammy. Um, yeah. I, I always tell people when they start, I'm like, if you don't have a budget, just, Gift the hell out of your product, and then go on your competitors' Instagrams and see who they're gifting, and gift them.
1: Ooh, you are <laughs> sneaky. That's just
0: common sense. <laughs> no, it's not
1: though. For most people, it's not because, oh, like, God, I
0: do that all the time. I'll go on my competitors and look and see who they're gifting, and see you know who's producing great content for them, and then try to line up with them. I notice. People do that with me. There's a couple brands I see. I I found a couple girls on Instagram that take like the best photos and they're so amazing. And now I see other brands are gifting them. I'm like, because I, I put you on and now, and now everyone wants. So I, I get it. Like everyone does it to everyone. But I mean, uh, it's, it, it's a no-brainer. It's like that. there's your research right there. You don't have to do anything.
1: Yeah. I it, think it that's saves
0: so much time.
1: Yeah. And it, it feels like common sense to you. But <clears throat> I think that a lot of people don't necessarily have that gut instinct to try to like, you know, hustle their way through things. So I think that's a really good tip. I think, you know, it started when you were younger where you're finding people's email addresses and like cold emailing them and trying to like get your product in stores. Yeah. And, you did that. and then it translates into, okay, cool. How am I going to find influencers and how am I going to do this and that? And it just kind of like stacks and compounds your business, which is really what it's about, you know? So, I find it interesting that you used the first store that carried you as like your platform to kind of like ladder your way up into these other areas. Do you feel like that's a good strategy? Like, do you think that people like, what does that look like for somebody that maybe is just starting a company? You know, maybe they're not going to get into a retail store right now, but what does that look like for them in terms of maybe finding influencers? Do they start off with, some like smaller influencers and kind of work their way up from there to show, okay, cool. We've worked, we've worked with this person and it would be great if we worked with you. Like, how does that look in that influencer
0: space? I think a lot of it's like, you got to shoot your shot. So you just got to send the DMS out to everyone. Like you send Bella Hadid, the DM, send Haley Bieber, the DM. You never know. I got a DM. I got a DM from, Addison Ray, who's the biggest TikToker, really, and yes, and like sh- like she found me through someone else I gifted. Where I was like, "That's crazy," but like, you know, if I had DM'd Addison Ray, like she would have replied to me. You know, yeah. so just I think shoot your shot. It's just Instagram. It's just DM. Yeah. If they, if they, you know, if they see it or don't see it, whatever. If they reply, that's amazing. But what I think is really important is. Once you start gifting people and start collecting their organic content that they've shot and you start reposting it, then when new customers come to your Instagram page, they see, oh, I recognize this girl. I follow her and she's wearing it. So therefore I trust this brand. You start to establish trust with, with customers that, you know, or with potential customers just by having an association with someone that they recognize. Yeah. So that's why I think it's really important to try to gift as many people as possible that are relevant to your business. Yeah, I think people forget
2: about the smaller influencers and people as well. Yeah, And I think it's funny because when I see someone smaller showing something off or recommending something, I trust them more because I'm like, yeah, I don't know why. Like, I get overwhelmed by some of the bigger ones. They post so much, th- like different things, and I'm like, I don't. It's like I can't even see it anymore from them.
0: Yeah, and you just assume they're getting paid. Yeah, it's a, you know, there's a contract or there's a sponsorship, whatever. Um, yeah, it, once again, going back to organic, it's your. It feels more organic. Like maybe this girl with ten thousand followers just found this product and really likes it and posted about it. Yeah. So makes you feel a little more secure if you're gonna, you know, try purchasing from a new company.
1: So if you could work on one thing, like if you could work one day a week, what would you focus on that one day?
0: I, my answer is marketing. And it's because this say tomorrow I stopped producing new stuff. Like we stopped doing, um, you know, any like backend operations. Like we just stopped and whatever stock we have, we need to sell. Mm-hmm. If I focused on marketing only, like I could continue to sell it. I think, you know, if I, you know, stopped doing that, like stuff wouldn't get sold. Even if I was working on product development and shipping and, you know, I think it's the one thing it, it's almost like I'm thinking of like someone driving a train and you know, when you like throw the coal in the fire, it's like, it's like marketing's the coal oh, that okay. like keeps it. It just keeps it burning. So you got to keep throwing shit in there. Yeah. And like the more, I mean, maybe not the more you throw in, but it needs to be um, consistent. Yes. You need Absolutely. to be like posting consistently and creating new content and, having new things to say about the same thing, which is hard to do, yeah.
2: mm-hmm.
0: but you have to, you have to say your message in many different ways. So it doesn't feel stale or stagnant.
1: Ooh, that's a really good point. <laughs> one thing that we notice is so many brands are just like, they're not engaging consistently. They're just hoping that they're going to grow, you know? And I think that's a really important point. Is like you have to be creating and connecting, messaging your product and your mission and what you're doing a bunch of different ways, so that people can connect with it on different levels, but also be reminded of it. You can see the same thing ten times phrased ten different ways, and it's new to you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know. And I like that you work that into marketing because it's not just about having um, like one ad that's converting. It's about having a fresh mix of things that are working together to grow the brand.
0: And I love data and analytics. And obviously Instagram provides great analytics as to what's working. Shopify, Google, all that good stuff. But I love seeing what people are connecting with the most and then branching off of that and creating five new things that feel the same but aren't the same. One of my pet peeves is there's a couple brands. I'll name one. Um, I see this ad like I think every day now. Um, it's for this bra called Coop, C-U-U-P. And they have this great ad and it's a video. And it's just of this girl. She's not like a stick figure girl. She's got like some good curves. And it's just her putting this bra on and standing in the mirror. And it just has their logo. But it's like, looks like she filmed it on her iPhone. It's a great ad. And it's obviously working for them because they keep putting money into it. Yeah. But I'm like, y- y'all needed to pay three more people to do videos very similar and then mix those three in. Because I, I, I see the exact same one every day. And now it's just annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's important to, you know, as a brand, figure out, you know, what content, whether it's like an Instagram post, Instagram story, whatever is driving the most traffic and sales to your site and then try to recreate those that feel the same, but it's fresh. Yeah. So you like to create and you like to look at data? <laughs> yes. I love data. That is unique. That is unique. <laughs> I feel like I'm actually more of a business woman than a designer. If that makes sense. That's, pow- that's powerful. Like I just happen to design stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, I wouldn't necessarily. I don't like, I'm not like, I'm not like I'm a designer. Yeah. I guess some people ask me, I'm like, I'm a business owner. Yeah.
1: Well, you need that mix. You need the mix to be, or able if
0: you know. don't have the mix, you need to hire someone to do the other thing. If you're a great designer, you need to find someone that can manage your business. If yeah. you're a really good business owner, but a really shitty taste Then you need to find a good designer.
1: <laughs> Do you feel like both come naturally to you? Like does the design come naturally and the business side come naturally? Or is there one that you have to work a little harder at to like harness? You know what I mean?
0: That's such a good question. My answer so lame. It's like, I feel like I'm medium at both. There's, okay. there's always, there's just like always stuff I can be working on. Like the business side I think is probably harder. Yeah. There's so many more challenges and like every day I'm trying to be like a better, better like leader to my team and just make sure everything's running efficiently and smoothly. I think that I deal with more on a regular basis. But design, like sometimes sometimes I'll see other people come out with designs. I'm like, oh man, I wish I thought of that. Nice. <laughs> like, We'll see like really cute stuff. I'm like, damn, <laughs> just caught it. A
1: FOMO.
0: Yeah. But that, that's kind of like, I don't know. It is what it is.
1: You know what? I, I think that's going to be encouraging for a lot of people because <clears throat> it's natural for us to feel like we have to be the master at something or we have to be awesome at something. And it's encouraging and refreshing to hear somebody who is successful say like admit to being like, I know that I, I'm medium at both. I can get better at both, but just refreshing to hear that because everyone it feels like so many people have to put on this like perfect face you know what yeah. i mean
0: i i mean i think the pinnacle is realizing that you don't have to be the master
2: yeah like
0: you can ask for help and you can get help yes like i think that's i think that's the most important part of like your ego as a business owner is like being able to like check that at the door Yeah, and ask people for help especially it's hard especially in like the high level areas where it's like design like you know I like I always was like well I'm the designer like I you know every I I have to come up with everything and it only it only like happened like two years ago where I was like I need help yeah and like now I have some freelance design assistants that like help me concept the collections and give me a fresh perspective and you know, ultimately I do sign off on everything and I do end up, you know, picking what designs we go forward with. But yeah, that was like an, like a big ego thing. You just have to get over it. For sure. Like if you want, if you want to be the best, like sometimes you're not going to be capable of producing it, but Mm -hmm. like uh, collaboratively with other people you can. So why not do that?
1: Do you have to like recognize you're having an ego and then get rid of it? Or like, what does it look like? What's that moment where you can make that decision? Okay, cool. I'm going to hire some designers to help me out.
0: I think a lot of it's hindsight Yeah, where I'll, you know, I'll finish a collection and I'll be like, I probably like could have done better. (laughs) Like like, this could have been more bomb where I'm like, okay, the next time I have to design, like I'm going to, I'm going to like get some outside opinions and ask for some help. So I think a lot of it is hindsight. If you can, if you can figure it out in the moment, God more power to you. Yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't happen all the time, but it is important to reflect and to look back on things, which has to go, you know, goes back to the data thing. Like I love, looking at data and just seeing what, what works and what doesn't. And then when you start looking at the stuff that doesn't work, why didn't it work? Yeah. And then trying to fix that the next time you do it. Because it's all a cycle. Like your business is a cycle. Like you probably do the same, the same stuff every 12 months or six months or however long it is. But it's all the exact same things. You do it over and over and over. So, you know, if you can get better every single time, that's amazing.
1: Yeah. We call it the feedback loop.
0: Oh, nice. I like <laughs> that. A name. It's
2: a name. Yeah.
1: It's cool because you like you, you do the feedback loop naturally. And yeah, that loop either moves you, you go in these circles and you either go up or you go down and you just got to figure <laughs> out listen to the ones that are going to take you up instead of listening to the ones that are going to take you so down.
2: Successful people have learned how to harness the feedback loop. Yeah. Like listening, reiterating and like, moving on to the next thing
0: and like just what are we writing that down
1: yeah
2: <laughs>
0: feedback loop. Yeah.
1: yes it is a really interesting concept so if you were to narrow down the reason for your success to one thing what would it be i have an idea of what it is i'm going to tell you after you tell me
0: <laughs> oh my god that's like so nice i can't wait to hear what it is um i think like i I think for me it's about working smart not working hard. Oh. I think that it's super important to make sure that you're not burning yourself out and that you have enough like fuel in your tank to to keep going because it it is quite a lot to like run a business, manage people, be creative, get everything done. So it's not about like putting in more hours than somebody else, but it's just about those, the time that you are working, like are, are you being smart about what you're spending your time doing? Yeah. So that had, and a lot of that has to do with um, relinquishing control and letting other people take over tasks that you don't need to do. You know, like sometimes I have a hard time where like I'll sit and read every single customer service email. I don't need to do that. You know, like that's not a good use of my time. There's there's someone on our team that does that. Yeah. You know, like why am I doing that? So, you know, like I catch myself sometimes, you know, like truly wasting my time. So I just think it's really important to make sure that you set out a list of your goals to accomplish for the day, a list of goals to accomplish for the month. And then just be like chipping away at those in a way that they get done on time and you don't feel like you're burning the candle at two ends. Well, there's a concept too that says like basically
2: time will stretch around any activity you're doing. So if you give yourself four hours to do it, you'll take four hours. And if you give yourself 10 minutes, you can do it in 10 minutes.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: And like, I think people forget that they get caught up in like putting all this time into their business and it's not necessarily like quality or like the right things. And they could probably be doing it in a shorter amount of time. Yeah.
1: I love that. You what said was that. Your thing? Okay. So you win. Yours is better than mine, but
0: <laughs> what's her one thing? I
1: think your sense? one thing is that you're fearless.
0: That's very nice. Mm-hmm. No,
1: I'm serious though.
0: Yeah. No, I, and I think that goes back to like, you know, starting my my business so young and not having fear. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I had a, I had a safety net in the sense that if it didn't work out, like I could just get another job. I was just a student, you yeah. know, it wasn't. And, you know, my parents were really supportive and supported me, you know, all throughout school. Like they put a roof over my head and gave me food. So it wasn't like I had, you know, I didn't have that pressure, which was so nice. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. Like I just look back. I'm like, geez, I don't think I could have done it. Like, I don't think I could have done this at 30. I'd be too scared. Yeah. It was, it was interesting. So I, I have a second line called Opry Jewelry, which is fine jewelry. And I set out to start that in 2015 and it took me two years to get it off the ground. Which is crazy. That's like that's so that's too long. But I just kept I kept getting cold feet. Mm-hmm. I just like kept coming up with these stupid excuses in my head as to why I wasn't going to do something. And it was so in, like, it was so interesting that when I launched, I was like so insecure about it and crazy. And I mean, now I've had it. Now it's been like live for th- almost three years, and now I feel very comfortable in it and you know, proud of what I've accomplished so far, but yeah, it was really interesting. I was so insecure.
1: So what's a piece of advice you'd give a business owner who maybe isn't in in their thirties. They're feeling that fear. What, what would you, what advice would you give them?
0: I think ultimately if you feel confident in the product that you're going to sell or service you're going to offer, whatever it may be. And you've, you know, done your research, made sure that, you know, there is a place for it in the market. There isn't someone else already doing the exact same thing. You know, you've asked family and friends what they think about it. Like if you've really like done your due diligence and it's like, nope, the world needs this, then go for it. Mm -hmm. But if you can't confidently say that, then I, I would keep refining and keep researching to figure that out. Yeah. Because the proof will be in the pudding. Like if it is this really amazing thing that you think it is and other people have told you and there's proof it's, then it's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. But I think you can, you can figure all that out before you launch and not waste your time.
1: (laughs) What's your biggest lesson learned in business?
0: I I honestly would say like not wasting money. Mm. Like seriously, like that shit can take you down. Yeah. Like, like seriously one bad purchase order where you buy too much, you know, like spending too much money on like a custom, you know, whether it's like a custom backend system that you're using or whatever, like you really need to be like tracking your growth and like seeing exactly where you're at and just, and like just what you need, like just, just get what you need. Like, Mm -hmm. like if, like if you can get by with one employee just do one employee only hire that second one until you're busting at the seams. And you're like, we can't do this a day longer. So I think it's important just to make sure you're not like spending money. If you don't absolutely have to, Mm -hmm. do you have someone in your life that keeps you in check?
2: You know, like we do that for each other where we're like, that's a stupid idea. Please don't do that. Usually it's, it's so her telling
1: easy. me it's a stupid yeah. idea. Right? <laughs> 99% of It's so
0: easy to get caught up and it's like you can't see yourself or like you don't have the outside perspective. Yeah. Well, I'm lucky my husband is an entrepreneur as well. He has a, his own clothing line. Um, so we're in a very similar space. So definitely him. He's like the only person I really talk to about a lot of like the really specific like nitty gritty things I'm going through. Like, I mean, I can tell my mom and my sister, but they won't necessarily get it. And he totally gets it. So that's really nice to be able to bounce stuff off of him and ask him questions that may be like inappropriate to ask an employee, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Um, and to be honest. Hopefully. Yeah. And like have a neutral party that like doesn't work for you or you don't pay them yeah exactly he doesn't have to be nice <laughs> no no definitely not
1: <laughs> cool well hey man thanks for taking the time to talk i think a lot of people are going to find this inspirational and um you have a lot of really good things i'm, I'm actually going to put together like a little list of like amanda's like golden <laughs> ticket to success like five steps because there's a lot of cool stuff in here so thank you again
0: of course thank thanks for having me <laughs>